Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, March 29th. It is Tuesday, which means Zach Lyons is here with us on a football show here from 440 Sports. Zach, always a pleasure to see you. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Football and other F-words is the podcast. How are you, sir? Good good to talk to you. Doing good. It's, uh, I had a great weekend. The F1 uh, Saudi Arabia race was amazing. It was so much fun. So, you know, I always... I, I think F1 is slowly becoming my, maybe quickly becoming my second favorite sport. So like it's must see TV now, must watch viewing. So as someone who's obsessed with the Drive to Survive documentary, but doesn't actually watch the races, how accurate am I getting a portrayal of the sport in those documentaries? 100% accurate. Because they're beautiful. They are oh, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> the, the race itself yesterday, uh, the drivers from, um, Oh crap! They're in the pink cars. Anyway, Mercedes, they're in the pink cars. Mercedes, uh, McLaren, Red Bull. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's one of the mid mid tier ones, but they were battling with each other for like three laps. The teammates were because oh, they didn't God. want to, you know, let the other one be ahead of them. So like the drama is real, and the drama is is able to be felt during the race. You know, we're going to talk about sort of the future of Nashville as it pertains to the Titan Stadium. We've had an IndyCar race around the Titan Stadium. Maybe we can get an F1 race to come to town. Uh, maybe that's the next thing Nashville needs to try to acquire. So we will touch on the story. Of course, Nate Rao of Axios broke the story with a few more details about Governor Bill Lee's proposal. Old Billiam Lee, uh, his proposal for potentially adding state dollars to the development of a Titan Stadium. So we'll touch on that real quickly here. But but the vast majority of the show, we're going to focus on sort of grading the Titans offseason up until this point because now we are in sort of full-fledged draft mode. And so, Zach, we're going to run through your grades and look at all the re-signings, the restructuring, some of the players that have been tendered and returning, some of the acquisitions, whether it's trade or free agency, and some of the guys they've cut. And we'll just sort of look at the whole big strategy so far of John Robinson and, and see what you think about that. Uh, of course, we'll, t- we'll tease what's coming up on the website for Broadway Sports Media, which is a deep dive into the look at, at how trading up for quarterbacks has looked. Uh, and has worked for people. Some interesting data there. You're going to have a really big piece on Broadway Sports Media coming up soon. So we'll touch on that. And then we'll complain and whine about award shows and spring practice uh, a little bit later on in the show. However, before we do any of that, make sure you remember this Saturday, April 2nd, the 8th annual J.E. Dunn Hammer Down Race. It's a 5K. All the money goes to benefit our kids. Uh, of course, a, a, a wonderful organization here in Nashville that, that helps um, – uh, helps treat and care for ch- sexually abused children. Uh, I've been a member of the board for, I don't know, five or six years. And uh, the J.E. Dunn Hammered Down 5K, 8th Annual, this Saturday. We need runners. Don Davenport's going to be there hanging out. So why don't you come on out? Hammerdown.raceroster.com. Hammerdown.raceroster.com. Okay, Zach, a couple of the details from Nate's report. Again, go read about it. Um, $500 million of state dollars. From Bill Lee, uh, you know, again, ballpark figure here is about eight, two billion dollars, roughly, for a new stadium, give or take, depending on what that looks. But a few things that were in the report as sort of mandatory to get this money, it was going to be built. The new stadium will be built east of Nissan Stadium, so closer to the interstate. I believe that's parking lots A through D, which is a little. That's an interesting tidbit there. There would have to be a retractable or domed roof so that they could go out and get the Super Bowl, the Final Four college football playoff, maybe some winter concerts as well. Uh, obviously be tied into a lot more development down there uh, and that there's a contingency on 
you know, you have to have a broader financial agreement between the Titans and the city. So this is just a small piece of it, but it is some interesting reporting. What did you make of the report and some of the details that are in there, Zach, how do you feel about some of those? Well, I, I feel good. I mean, you're talking about the state putting in 500 million, which is what a hundred and something counties, you know, across Tennessee, you know, splitting up the bill in some form or fashion. And to me, it it's it seems like a good deal. I, I don't see why anybody is going to be upset um, in the big scheme of things. But, you know, you got people out here talking about, well, you know, I've been to a bunch of dome games and dome games. You know, they just don't have the same atmosphere as being outside. And then some PSL ticket holders are already saying that they're what's next. I'm going to be priced out of my PSLs. Why don't they care about the current PSL holders? Well, let me tell you why, because they don't give a shit about you because they give a shit about profit. You are not included in the profit because when you, if you drop your PSL, PSLs, there is going to be someone that previously wasn't a PSL ticket holder that's coming in to buy PSLs at the price that you decided not to. It's not like they're going to lose money if they lose you. It's bad business to think about the people that what what are they going to do? Turn uh, turn down all these events just right. because a few PSL holders are little little bitchies. I mean, they're just bitching around wow. constantly. Wow, little bitchies, like, <laughs> little bitchies. Uh, I, I kind of got stuck with there. Yeah, I say bitches or bitching. So I just Where went, you? you know. You got to be Went committed, bitchies. Zach. You got to be committed. Uh, although, although I do like the new one. I think that new yeah. one's the new one's interesting. It's just, it's just, you know, people just can't be happy. And, and to me, this is a great thing for the city. It's a great thing for the team. It's a great thing for everybody involved, except for you know, like five people. Well, what's going to be fascinating? And first of all, if if the stadium brings in all these other events and is this big, beautiful, brand new thing that that sort of takes us to another level from a sports standpoint, you know, that the, and Amy Adams Strunk decides and the Strunk family and the ownership, the Titans decide to foot a big chunk of the bill. Let's call it half, you know, whatever the number is half. Then I think eventually you're going to, that's going to come back down to you a little bit, whether you're paying for PSLs or, I mean, like they have to run a business here to your point. Um, but I think she would earn a ton of goodwill if she decided to, she's already one of the most popular humans in the city. I, what's fascinating about this. And again, I recommend going and re- listening to our conversation with Nate a couple of weeks ago on lamestream sports who laid out all the details of this. There will be a mayoral election next year. And in the height of the mayoral election, we will be trying to answer the question, how much do we as a city want to spend on a stadium, which generally when you ask billionaires for money is not normally a popular thing. I think we all agree. We want the Titans here. So that's the starting point. And after that it's well, what, I don't think you can stop the development of the East bank from happening. I just don't think you can. I think it's going to happen all the way up to the Oracle facility and all the way, hopefully past PNC metals. I, to me, this, this screams massive development coming on top of the Titan stadium around the Titan stadium. And while I don't love that idea, you know, you have to connect it to Broadway at some point. So again, what does this all mean? There's a long way to go. I, I'm with you. I'd like it to, or what you were talking about, Zach is, I do want some form of open airness. Yeah, I'm all about the retractable roof over a dome. If I have to choose one or the other, it's retractable roof, no doubt. Or or, or make it like, make the concourses, like, again, if you go to the soccer stadium, the concourses are all open air so that you can flow and you can see the the, the field no matter where you're walking in the concourse. Like at, at Nissan Stadium now, it's just a bunch of cinder block walls that keep you from seeing anything that's happening out in the bowl when you go to get like a beer or go to the bathroom. So I think there's ways to make it more open and more airy, even if you've got some form of roof on top, but I'm with you on the retractable. 
I just think people need to understand that this is a these are very large market forces at play, and we can't really stop a lot of them from happening. But we can we can negotiate around the edges, and that's what happened with the soccer stadium, right? Is that right. they they got a pretty damn good deal. The city did. And that stadium is largely being paid for almost all of it by by ownership. So how much can we get ownership and the NFL to, to pony up here, I think, is the question. Yeah, I, I just think that we don't have all the facts yet. And I think to go ahead and say, well, this is I can't believe that it's affecting me in this large way when you really don't know how it's affecting you yet. We, we don't really know the repercussions from the state uh, putting this in, you know, quite honestly, down to you know, for the citizens of Tennessee, we don't know what it, what the city's going to put in, how much, you know, how will that affect everything? So, I mean, right now it's kind of a wait and see mode and the cost of for Davidson County residents, which I'm not one of. So I really don't give a shit about you guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm that, out but, of Davidson County. I'm in no, Sumner County. Fuck it. Well, what's funny about that is that Spend you're going to have a, a lot of those counties though. Like that's where the state money will yeah. affect. like the small counties out and around in, in middle of nowhere, Tennessee, that's where some of that money actually would come from. Whereas, again, Erie, this is going back to the bills. Like the NFL and the bills are pony, ponying up a big chunk of cash. I want to say like 500 million. Erie County, where Buffalo is located, is about 250 million. And then the state of New York is kind of putting up the rest. I want to say it's like 800, 900 million, some, something around those numbers. So, again, there's the state, there's the city, and there's the organization and the NFL. And, and how do we get that all to work for us long term? Um, you know, we, we decided a long time ago we're a pro sports town. We have three professional franchises in this city. We, we are a pro sports town. We decided that two decades ago. The question is how to make it all work best for everybody and maybe get a Super Bowl out of the deal, right? <laughs> right. And that's the big thing, right? I mean, you get the Super Bowl, you get WrestleMania, you get concerts, you get WrestleMania. The yeah, on. you get WrestleMania. That's, that's a that's, big event. I, I Listen, I'm all for big events and their money spends. But if you're going to list off events, let's go Super Bowl college football playoff national championship final four let's do some of that before we get to wrestlemania now about? wrestlemania has got the biggest name recognition out there i went to the dallas wrestlemania and you're talking about it it and i've been to two super bowls and it has the feeling of a super bowl okay. people just do not they you don't understand it until you experience it you'll get a little bit of glimpse of it when SummerSlam comes here which is the wrestlemania of the summer for wrestling okay. which is coming this summer but it's not going to be as big as what WrestleMania would be. I'm on the edge of my seat, Zach. I'm on the edge you of my should seat. Be. WrestleMania and spring practice and award shows are all in the same category for me. But we'll get to that <laughs> a little bit later on. Hey, but the money spends. That's what matters to the city. The money spends. Uh, all right. Let's get into the offseason here because we are in full sort of pre-draft mode now, right? We're about a month away from the draft, a little less than. Most of the big movement that has happened in whether it's restructuring contracts, cutting players, signing free agents, re-signing guys, the vast majority of that has happened. Do, do you think there's any big things coming between now and the draft outside of focusing on maybe trading draft picks or like, I feel like the Titans have done what they're going to do. Right. Yeah. I, I think the, the, any right now, the list and Mike Clay of the NFL and ESPN, he has a he keeps a running list of available free agents, and the list is still jam packed with names. And this happens every year, right? The, the you see this list of names, and then you're like, how are these people still available? Well, then you get a report about Jarvis Landry demanding twenty million dollars a year. Like, <laughs> give me a fucking break, Jarvis Landry. Well, you're not getting that. I wish I could get twenty million dollars a year, but let's be realistic. You know, I, you think, still got, I think you could average 9.8 yards a catch. I think I, I would like it. 
I, if I could, then I deserve to get paid $20 million just for my level of being able right, to do right. that. Um, you know, you still got guards out there like Eric flowers and you got offensive line help. I don't think that, you know, obviously what Mike Verbal said on Monday, he talked about Jamarco Jones and, you know, he'll get his start at left guard, which means that when training camp rolls around, he's going to be in the mix to compete for left guard. They're not going to do put him at right tackle. That's what that means. But that doesn't mean that they still can't upgrade that spot and bring in either a rookie or veteran. I I think the big names are pretty much done. I think they obviously have a whole roster to fill out still to go. I mean, I think they only got like 60 players under contract, which means they still need 30 more technically by the time the off season starts, because you typically want 90 players. So we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't get too excited that I think like, if you get Keelan Cole as a wide receiver, for example, or Will Fuller or some of these guys, it doesn't move the needle much, but they're going to be cheap. And you're getting cheap above average veterans for most of these spots that they still have open. Yeah, I think uh, like some extra offensive line depth or or a player like Will Fuller, who we know what he can do well, which is take the top off and, and take yeah. those shots deep. And he scores touchdowns at like a ridiculous rate. I think that's the kind of player that even though you're going to lose him for like PEDs for three games and injury for three games, the other eight or nine games, you, he probably would be pretty effective next to, to Robert Woods, especially if you don't know how long Robert Woods' recovery is going to be. Uh, all right, so let's kind of group these into to some categories here, three different categories, and get your grades on these. We'll do sort of cuts and guys they decided to, to not bring back. We'll put that into a category. We will put acquisitions into a category. So new pieces that have come to the Titans that will be new on the team this year. That would include that would include Austin Hooper and Robert Woods, guys we talked about last week. And then sort of the re-sign, restructure, return, sort of management of the current assets. So let's let's start right there. Harold Landry, the big contract big Ben Jones. We talked about them. They restructured Kevin Byard and Zach Cunningham. They re-signed basically, and again, you can call this whatever you want here, but Randy Bullock, Jeff Swain. Ola Adenihi, Dalton Hilliard, you know, uh, Buster Screen, you know, there's a lot of guys like that on that tier. So how are we grading out on what John Robinson accomplished with that collection of players, the re-sign, restructure, return group of guys? Well, I mean, they're, they got an A- minus kind of grade for those because I'm looking at the extensions that they did, which was Jeff Swain, Ben Jones, or extensions less re-signings, Jeff Swain, Ben Jones, Harold Landry, and you got to include Mike Vrabel and John Robinson. Those are the two biggest ones. They're the two biggest extensions that got signed this year. And the extensions, B+. Like those those list of five moves are B+, because Swain is a D. It's it's a horrible <laughs> signing. Because you look at O.J. Howard, and he could have got – we could have got, yeah. you know – OJ Howard in a two-tone blue uniform instead of getting Jeff Swain for the same amount of money. Like it just, I, I would, I, I would do that in two seconds. I would take OJ. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody should. And I think this was an overreaction. You still got Jeff Swain defenders out there, which I don't even, Jeff I don't Swain even partake. Jeff Swain stands exist, wow. Braden. Wow. And then you got like the restructures of Kevin Byers, that Cunningham, Brett Kern, give it an A because Kevin Byard, you had to add two void years. So that kind of hurts it. But Brett Kern took a $1 million pay cut. Zach Cunningham is was a no-brainer. Everybody predicted that he was going to get restructured. There are a few people who thought he's going to get cut, which they're morons because so, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and then you got the restricted free agent tenders, Woodside and Tart. And Tart's an A, Woodside's a B plus. I mean, you look at these, you know, right there. I mean, that's that's a whole list of players that 
when you talk about a team that's not very active in free agency, you got to include the moves they make with their own players in how active they were. Harold Landry, Ben Jones being the two biggest acquisitions that the Titans really made, technically their acquisitions, you know, or the moves that they make. So you got to include that into all this. I I think the restructuring on both Bayard and Cunningham is, is excellent. I think those are great moves. I think bringing back Landry, especially looking at some of the costs that were floated for other pieces at his position around. I, think I still got- think it's a slight overpay. I had him at a, at a B. It, it might, that no, and, that, and it, it could be an overpay and still be fair Good. relative yeah. to other people. Like same thing with Ben, like, and Ben Jones is just like from a value standpoint, if you tell me again, the guys, I think he started, don't quote me on this, but I want to say 96 out of 97 games that he could play. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but if he's going to play, let's say 16 out of 17 games, he will be, he will be worth way more than his, 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 his contract that he signed this off season. So, um, and then old Randy bringing him back. I think Ola and, and Hilliard are two nice pieces. I like those guys uh, as value pieces. Uh, I'm with you on Swain, but whatever. Uh, so then if we're going to talk about managing current assets as part of the kind of free agent ish type moves for John Robinson, you have to talk about, the assets that they are no longer managing, but that they had on the team. And a lot of these were fairly predictable. Julio Jones, Roger Saffold, and and Jackrabbit Jenkins were the three big ones that were sort of circled on everybody's list when we went into free agency. Kari Blossom game, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, Dante Foreman, all those guys. I could have, I would have liked to see Foreman maybe brought back, but I understand why you, why you don't. I have long been a Jayon Brown fan. I just like his game, but He's undersized. He's been hurt a lot. So maybe they think they've got a replacement in David Long ready to go. Uh, also, you got Kendall Lamb. Uh, he was on the team last year. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he was there. He's not on the he, team anymore. He was a guy. So how are we grading the decisions to move on from all of these pieces and or some of the pieces they're not going to resign like Rashawn Evans and Jan Brown? And A, I mean, these are all no-brain decisions that my only big, my biggest beef is the Julio Jones trade or the Julio Jones cut, but that was that, that move now makes sense because it's it tied into the Robert Woods trade, which is an A plus trade, which we'll get to later. But I mean, none of these guys that you're losing are guys that really mattered anymore. Um, I mean, Julio Jones and Roger Saffold, great players for what they are, but they're old and, I mean, Rogers' body's betraying him. Like the people in Buffalo have no clue what they're getting. Apparently, they have not watched his pass protection just precipitously fall off for the last three years. And you know that's not due to anything other than his body betraying him. And it's not that he you know wants to suck. It's just that he kind of does suck he, in pass protection. He, he failed a physical before becoming a Titan. Yeah, like that's how he became a Titan. So again, I I don't. This is not like rip on Roger Saffold time here on the show because we both think that he's a a really nice piece to this offense the last few years. But I'm with you. Like it's same thing as Julio. At some point, the the cost of the asset outweighs the production, and you're concerned about the risk involved in carrying those expensive assets for the future. And that's it. Like you got to make a move on him if you think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, the Vikings, the new Vikings GM, whose name escapes me and whose name I probably couldn't even pronounce anyway while reading it because it's a very complicated name. He was interviewed (laughs) talking about, you know, managing expectations of a roster and how to handle all that. And he said, the worst thing you can do as a GM is make a move 
see that it was a mistake and not move on from it. And in my opinion, John Robson does that better than anybody else is admitting that he makes a mistake and moving on from it. And that's what you saw with Julio Jones, what you've seen with Kevin Dodd, Isaiah Wilson, you know, all these players that Darrington Evans is a good example, who is also been cut and he's over in Chicago. Jalen Brown wasn't even starting at the end of the year. He was a healthy scratch. So, I mean, you just cut bait. And I, I got so much shit on Twitter for the night that they drafted on the night they drafted Darrington Evans. I was like, because this was before Derrick Henry had been signed and, and, and had his new contract. And I was just like, you better if you're going to draft a, a running back in the third round, you either are more concerned with Derrick Henry leaving or he's going to play a much bigger role in the offense, because that's what a third round asset is supposed to do. And I just got it was like a like I went into the fetal position that night. The Titans fans treated me so poorly. And I. It's, I still think yeah, injuries, not you can't predict injuries. I don't fault the GM for taking a guy who just ends up being injured. That's just unfortunate sometimes. Um, but you're right. Like he will admit his mistake and move on quicker than almost any GM. And you, do you want all those mistakes to keep piling up? Of course not. But part of the job as a GM is you're going to miss on some guys. That's just, that's just how that's the nature of the job. And so when you do knowing how to get out from under it and not be pot committed and fold the cards, you got to be able to do that as fast as possible. And JR does show that me, show me a perfect GM. Yeah, like not, there is exist. no, they don't exist. And Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just don't, they just don't exist in in this world that we live in. It's it's, there is no proven system that works when you're evaluating talent. I mean, you talk about people who get people all the time who have dedicated their life to scouting and watching film get it wrong all the time. And that's not just the GMs and scouts that get yeah. paid to do it. It's the people who do this on, you know, TV. I mean, look at Mel Kuyper. He has probably one of the worst hit rates of anybody talking about stuff and Todd McShay and all those guys that get paid. They're not perfect, but they're t- giving you their honest assessment. Now, whether their assessment proves to right. be true or not, you know, it just, well, it's just shit. Shit just, happens. Just forget us. Forget the media and forget armchair quarterbacks and forget armchair GMs. Just look at the people who get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. They screw yeah. it up all the time. That's it. They get, all the time. They screw it up all the time. So let's acquisitions. We spent a lot of time on this last week, so we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. But obviously acquiring Robert Woods and Austin Hooper to provide two pieces to, to for the offense in the passing game, pretty nice. But, you know, Josh Malone, Jordan Wilkins, uh, Jordan Wilkins, excuse me, Jamarco Jones, you know, AJ Moore, like there's a lot of sort of smaller pieces here. They didn't go spend big on these pieces. They didn't spend much at all to get Robert Woods. There's certainly a salary cap hit there, but if Austin Hooper is your biggest acquisition from a cost standpoint, you you played it pretty safe this off season. So what, what are your thoughts on, on the new pieces? I'd say a B minus because Jordan Wilkins and Trenton Cannon really don't do anything for me. And they really, they probably, them and Josh Malone, because uh, Josh Malone technically is a part of this uh, group too. They they just don't do much. Uh, Jamarco Jones is a C. Like if I was going to grade that signing because he's not that great, but he could be better here in Tennessee because let me, let me tell you something. For all, for everything and all the shit that David Questenberry rightfully <laughs> deserved to get, he was still a pretty good right tackle for an un, 31-year-old undrafted free agent with three full seasons under his belt or something like that. Like, he doesn't have a lot of seasons under there. And he played every snap at right tackle, and nobody knew who he was, really. I mean, he and then don't forget in 2020 when Taylor Lewan went down, then Tyson Brelo went down. Yeah, David Questenberry stepped in and he he filled in great. And 
maybe Jamarco Jones is maybe he's going to be more David Questenberry than Kendall Lamb, right? Like maybe, or let me put it this way: he maybe he's more Dennis Kelly than Kendall Lamb, but we that, don't really know. That's what so, I was going to. What's What's fascinating about this is you can kind of argue it two different ways, like. The right tackle, they just seem to solve the problem without trying very hard. That's one way to right. look at it, right? Like it's oh, it's Dennis Kelly. Okay, it's his job. Okay, Ty Sambrella, David Questenberry. Like they try, they try with like the high draft picks and they didn't work. But when they try with these veteran journeyman players, they seem to work out well. We know that when you come to the Titans, you are probably going to get better. So that's also something you have to remember that to your point about Jones, like guys that show up at this organization generally leave it as better football players. So I don't know if it's, well, it's pretty easy. They found guys to play that position before. They'll do it again. Or, man, why didn't they just keep the guy who did a good job last year? Like, right. I, the same thing with Dennis Kelly. Like, I don't know why they didn't just keep the guy who did a good job. So I think you, yeah. could, you could argue it both ways. Yeah, it, it's interesting because when this new coaching staff really came to Nashville, that first year of Keith Carter was like, ever. I think it, unanimously – among fans people hated him like they thought he was just so so bad and really he's become one of the better coaches on the staff yep. Yep. and i know that the offensive line had its struggles but it's almost it didn't matter when taylor the one went out in 2020 because ty Sembrello and david questenberry stepped in and you didn't really miss a beat you still had run left in a 2000 yard rusher right i mean yeah, yeah. And, and I know David Questenberry uh, allowed a ton of pressures, right? And they all seem to come in waves. But there are at least, you know, five or seven games where he allowed zero pressures. That's pretty good for an undrafted free agent who has played maybe 12 games his whole career. And he's 31. Like, that goes to show you that Keith Carter is doing a wonderful job with what he's given. Is he given enough? Probably not, but can he make it work? Yes, he can. And so I'm interested to see where Jamarco Jones ends up. Is he going to be, you know, Dennis Kelly at left guard or is he going to be Kendall Lamb at left guard? Overall, I think to date, I would go a strong B plus for the work John Robinson has done. And I'm going to take Vrabel and Robinson's contract out of the, out of the equation just for the sake of this conversation. Cause like they have to sign those guys. They're the ones in charge and we're sort of grading them. And so to me, it's is this team has it situated itself well enough to go into the draft and 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 be right where it was at this time last year, and they addressed some personnel needs around Ryan Tannehill on offense in the passing game. They got rid of some hefty contracts, like I, I don't. They re-signed that they they kept the pass rush together, which was the most impressive part of this entire team last year, especially down the stretch. So I think they've done all the things that they needed to do. Is it exactly the way we would have done it, or the right piece here, or Jeff Swaim there? You know, I don't know. I would go B plus, and if they have a good draft, I think you could have an A offseason if you're the Titans. I, I think it's an uh, I, including Vrabel and J Rob, that would be an A minus. So if you take them out, you're probably looking at a B B plus grade. Because uh, I did GP GPA calculations here. I mean, that's what okay. I went off okay. of. I averaged my grades and everything. <laughs> so probably B B plus, which is. You know, a lot better than what people think. A lot of people think they're, you know, C minus or F and D and just because they didn't get, you know, the big names. But man, look at these contracts. Like I, I think I think the Robert Woods trade that, that's really like signing, goes to show you. That's like signing a giant free agent. Yeah. 
yeah, to me, that's that's that really goes to show you that John Robinson on some of these trades just works on another level yeah. than everybody else because I mean that's 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 nothing. And and for a very good player that for all intents and purposes on paper right now should be a big yep. contributor for this team and big help. You know, his press conference, him talking about that he's going to stand next to Ryan Tannehill and pick his play and or pick his brain on the plays. Why is he going there? What does he expect of him? Even though he can't be out there, a lot better than what Julio yep, Jones yep. gave you. Just throwing that out there. Also, um, uh, <laughs> I can't believe we waited this long to get this into the show, but Mike Vrabel also had, you know, the greatest human in the NFL is Marcus Mariota. Just, it is true. Just, so we, we need to get it out there that no one is greater than him. Ryan Tannehill might be as great as Marcus Mariota, but is not a greater human being than Marcus Mariota. There is nobody greater than Marcus Mariota. So I think we, we got to make sure. Ryan Tannehill is one press conference away from being slapped by Will Smith. I mean, that's like, because <laughs> he just keeps taking shots everywhere, right? I, and, All these and, intended well, shots. To, to, to a lot of, to some people's point, uh, to some people's, like other people are arguing against this, like n- nobody, I, this is what I tried to tell you last week on the show, which is that a, a receiver can be like, Hey, this guy's a great leader. And this other guy could be a great leader too. Like Marcus Mariota can be a great human being. And Ryan Tannehill can be a great human being. Like they're not, they're, they're mutually exclusive. They were never really joined together. And right. Uh, you know, and frankly, I don't give a shit if you delete or don't delete tweets. I'm on team, no delete, but I don't care. Like who care? Like I just, none of this matters. It's just, None of it matters. Anyway, Marcus Mariota is a good guy. Ryan Tannehill is a decent quarterback. Let's see if he can win a playoff game. How about that? I mean, we right? live in a society right now where everything is the best and everything is the greatest yeah. whenever there's something that breaks out, right? Like, or the know, other way. This or movie, way. this movie was the greatest thing ever. That pass was the greatest pass I've ever seen in my life. And, or uh, Buck on his show on Monday, he says, we as a society have never been captivated by an event more than the Will Smith slap. Oh, I don't know. 9-11 ring a bell puck. Like, I, I think that pretty much captivated everybody. I mean, there's there's also something happening in Europe right now that's captured the entire world's attention <laughs> yeah. for a lot longer than the uh, slap just in the a, face. We live in a society of the latest thing no, is the best I thing. Agree. I agree. It's recency bias. It's hyperbole. Yeah. Anxiety and conflict sells. And that's why people like Buck sell you anxiety and conflict. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to give you like a little bit of conflict on the show, but hopefully it's not fabricated like the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, in which case I completely believe that it was all fabricated. Now I'm just trolling all of you losers who care, <laughs> who care about award shows because award shows are stupid, navel gazing, self-absorbed events for rich people who think they're amazing. Anyway, anyway. All right. Good offseason so far for the Titans. I think they're in a good position to go into the draft, which leads us real quickly to a topic you're working on as a, uh, for an article on Broadway Sports Media. And I've, I've we mentioned this on the show weeks ago. I think we were ahead of the curve on this, programming all of Nashville media, which we, is... We, we tend, I, at least is, from my experience, football under the F-words is really an inspiration for a lot of uh, national media <laughs> topics or local media topics. We yes. come to find out we'll say something or write about something, and then we'll see a, another copycat article, or we'll see this topic on the air, which, you know, hey, we love it. So hang on. So are you claiming that, that you beat me to the Titans should trade up and draft a quarterback? No, 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 no. I'm just saying or that I inspired in, in you. general, in general, football and other F words right, tends right. to be a trendsetter. That, that is no argument there. No argument yeah. there. Um, what's really ironic about the history, and you're going to dive really deep into this, so we, don't, we can talk a little bit about it next week, but obviously Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are two, two you know, the Chiefs go from 27 to 10. 
the, the Texans go from 25 to 12. Uh, ironically, Joe Flacco, who I think is a carbon copy of Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> um, was also another one that quote unquote worked out. Baltimore went from 26 to 18 to get Joe Flacco. They end up winning a Super Bowl out of the deal because he had this one great postseason run. Well, a lot of these other names are, are huge busts, and you're going to go into more detail, but the point is, is that the Titans were at Sam, Hill, Sam Howell's Pro Day. The Titans have been evaluating quarterbacks. John Robinson's talked about it at the Combine, and we talked about it weeks ago on the show, which is, if you trust the evaluation process for John Robinson, and if he finds the person that he thinks is going to be the starting quarterback for this team for the next 10 years, the trade doesn't matter. You go get him, period, end of discussion. But you better well, believe it's not that expensive, really, to be honest. But no. you got to you got you as the GM got to believe in your guy, right? Yeah. And that's what all these GMs that made these trades. I think there were two panic trades. You know, I call them. I got them tiered up right now on my on my Excel spreadsheet. These there's 24 <laughs> or 26 quarterbacks, including the two from last year, Trey Lance and Justin Fields. You know, obviously, jury's still out on them. But I look at J.P. Lozman and Kyle Bowler from 2003 <laughs> and 2004, and they're panic trades because they're the leftovers, right? And these teams are kind of panicking. Well, we don't we don't really love these guys, but we got to get a quarterback, and so we're going to trade up for them. And, you know, you look at it, I when you look at the big scheme of how many quarterbacks are taken in a draft every year, and you add them up, you know, because I'll be going back for, to 2001 on because 2001 was Mike Vick. And that, that would be when, considered, I would be, I would call that a successful trade. Like, right, right. I would to, too. To and go you know, from five to anything. one to get Vick, I would say that's yeah. a huge, huge move. Like you got Mike Vick, Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen are all quarterbacks that people traded up for that are elite quarterbacks for that particular franchise in that time. Yeah, You'll fair. need different results. It sort of worked with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and Mark Sanchez because you don't get to the Super Bowl those first times without Carson Wentz's 2017 and without Jared Goff's 2018 getting you there, right? It, it sort of worked. Those are so those are such weird ones. Like, Yeah, and Mark Sanchez got you to all those AFC championships. And that's true. He kind of lost and, you know. And then you look at the injured quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater and RG3. RG3 could have been really special had it not been for injuries. You know, when you look at some of these quarterbacks, you're just kind of like, okay, well, it wasn't franchise ending. It wasn't terrible. So when you look at like, when you really look at it, 14 of these 26 trades, including Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and RG3 and Teddy Bridgewater, didn't really hurt the franchise in the big scheme of things I to do the trade up. I think what's really important in all of this is to also remember the 2010 deadline where Sam Bradford was on the old rookie wage scale where Sam Bradford was given like $78 million guaranteed. And then Cam Newton, the very next year in the 2011 draft had, uh, you know, pennies on the dollar in terms of what those contracts are worth. So when you do take a guy, it doesn't hurt your, your, your team nearly as much because you can cut bait after two or three years, come back to the draft and get another one. Now yeah. that's not what you want to do. Cause that means you've played bad football for a couple of years. But the idea is, and I think again, what I like about the Titan situation in this, I don't know if all the quarterbacks are going to fly up the boards or if they're all going to drop down the boards, but either way, I think they're in a good position to either trade back and get a guy or watch what happens and maybe move up a few spots to grab a guy. So I, I don't, I don't see a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or, again, I don't see any of those guys in this class. I've long believed that Sam Howell has the best throwing arm in the entire class. He reminds me of Drew Brees. He's a little short, but he's got a brilliant arm. He can run around a little bit more athletic than you think, and he's played a ton of football in a 
in a, in a system that likes to sl- chuck it all around and run the football. So I, he's my guy. I don't know if he's a first round grade, if he's flying up boards, I don't know if he's a second round grade or a third. I don't know, but that's the guy I like. And if you can get him at 41, great. If you get him at 22 and you need to move up a couple spots to get him, just make sure that that just make sure that he's your guy. That that's all that, that matters to me. It, here. it Tr- wouldn't surprise me to see the Titans trade up for a quarterback, because yeah. if you have that sort of conviction about a player, you can't risk waiting till 26. Yep. And so if you have that conviction, just go ahead and go up and get them. And you hope that that guy is the guy, because when you look at Taylor Lewan, Kevin Byer, Derek Henry, you know, you got a bunch of older pieces relatively older pieces that you're going to have to replace in the next few years at certain points in times. And it's a lot easier to do that. If you have found your guy in a rookie quarterback, that means you can get better pieces in free agencies because you don't have a large contract to worry about. And with the cap going up, it seems like right now is the perfect time. The evaluations that you read on the internet about certain players, I I just, you can't put so much stock into it that this is the worst quarterback class and none of these quarterbacks are going to work out. Do you really honestly think that that's mathematically going to be the the case? Because that it's math. You're going to be mathematically disproven. It's almost impossible that none of these quarterbacks work out. And it's all about the landing spot because Sam Darnold landed in one of the worst landing spots in the NFL and it ruined him. I I think it's, I think it's, I think you're hundred percent right about the landing spot, but, but it's also about the cost. Like if you get Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott in the third round because of a because of a number of different evaluation things, right? Like Russell was too short, Drew Brees was too short, and you go to to Dak Prescott and he had the DUI and like there's you know there's a lot of things that causes a player to maybe fall or slip or whatever. Derek Carr was a second round pick, so it's it's more about I don't think the entire class will be a failure. I just think I, I just am not sure if any of the guys at the top like are gonna like I don't I think Kenny Pickett's gonna be a nice player in the NFL, but I don't think he's a star. So yeah, like I think that, Kenny Pickett's like, going to be like Mitch Trubisky is that someone's going to trade up for him and he's not going to really do well because I, the team that's probably trading up for him probably is not going to have the best of situations. Like to me, the Steelers trading up for Kenny Pickett. Yeah. He may have a fighting chance to do something, but if let's say the yeah. Detroit lions traded up yeah, for yeah, Kenny yeah, Pickett. Yeah. yeah you're, you're right. His career I, off all you I, want. I totally agree. If, if Malik Willis ends up in a place that has got a quarterback guru to finally tune his arm, I think he's got a chance to be very good. He's got all the talent in the world. The problem is he doesn't have, like, he needs refinement. Like, that's right. what Malik Willis needs. Like, Desmond Ritter, I don't know if you can coach the accuracy back into that guy. He's a, he is, he's Kenny Pickett in terms of leadership and winning and all these other things, but and has a bigger arm than Pickett. It's just not accurate. And I don't know. I, I think his accuracy is tied into the, his delivery of the football. And yeah. I think that could yeah. be fixed because okay. his footwork is phenomenal and his pocket presence is fantastic and he makes good decisions. But you're right. He sells the ball pretty yep. easily yep. to wide open receivers. And obviously he's going to have to get that fixed. The thing that worries me about quarterbacks like Matt Corral and Sam Howell is the amount of RPOs they ran in college really aren't going to translate really well to most NFL offenses. So that's true. But, but much like Malik Willis, much like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, they have NFL arm strength. And sometimes yep. that's more yep. important than anything else. No, I, I, that's why I like Howell is I, I, the only thing I don't question about him 
is the arm. I, he's got the NFL arm, and Malik Willis has the NFL arm too, and a bigger body, bigger size, can move around, doesn't have the accuracy. And when I say, I think it's important that, I don't know if everybody does this, but when I say I think he's got the best arm, I am combining strength and accuracy. Those are the, t- I, like, I'm, I'm putting them together. I'm not saying he's got the strongest arm. I'm saying he's got the best arm. To me, that means touch, accuracy, arm strength. You can make every throw in the book is sort of what I, is what I mean when I say that. So, all right. Uh, real quickly here, um, award shows, spring practice. I, I just, I don't know about you, man. I just can't, the, the amount of talk that goes on, and, and I'm a college football nerd, you know this, but the, like, what, what happens on a spring practice field is completely irrelevant to your life. Like, it's just not, like, the fact that you are practicing is really important. <laughs> but, but, like, getting something right or wrong or, like I, that, that's the time to get something wrong is in spring practice. That's when you're supposed to learn from your mistakes and grow and get better. And I, who's running with the ones at Tennessee or running with the twos at LSU. Like I just could not care less. In fact, award shows are the only thing I care less about than spring practice. I just, I don't, I know that I don't know if it's a host problem or if we're, if we're too sensitive and we can't take jokes, like clearly Will Smith can't. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I just can't, I can't get into it, man. I can't get into either one of them. Am I, am I wrong here? You're 100% not wrong. I didn't even listen. I was so detached from social media last night. I didn't even know the Oscars were on. Didn't know the Will Smith thing happened till this morning, I didn't which either. is great because then you can just run through your timeline and right. see these wonderful, wonderful memes and jokes and tweets that are just absolutely hilarious. And look, the, the whole Will Smith thing that's been brewing since 2016, you know, you say stuff like that on a school bus or at grade school or elementary high school to someone, you're probably even at a bar, you're going to get your shit slapped wait, wait, in. Wait, so there's backstory between these two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's oh, a okay. huge backstory because he went in on Jada for like two or three minutes because she boycotted the Oscars in 2016 for for purposes surrounding but Will Smith not getting a nomination. But he's a, and like, I'm not even going to like I would. I think there's if it wasn't if there wasn't a disease attached to it, I I understand. I don't I I don't think that it would be a big deal. But you know, you see guys like he's a comedian. He's a comedian. He's supposed to tell jokes. Like I don't know. You know, like I get it. I'm all about free speech and jokes, but sometimes there's consequences, man. I I mean, like if I if you if you say something out in public and you, you you there's a good chance you get your shit slapped in. You know, like that's fair. You know, and I'll say this. Samuel Jackson kind of looked like he appreciated uh, Will Smith doing it. And so I don't know if there's some beef between Samuel Jackson and Chris Rock. And I mean, was that joke really even that funny? Cause it's the, a GI Jane 1997 the, joke. Like get some new material. Yeah, the the Chris crime Rock. is that here's the, here's the, the issue. crime is the bad joke. <laughs> yes. The crime is always going to be not being funny. If you yeah. are funny, like again, my wife doesn't understand why I love South park, but I love South park. South park attacks everything. It doesn't matter if you have a disease or if it's a religious yeah. belief or, you know, like the most taboo stuff in the world, they're going to go hardcore after everything. They'll, they'll definitely do something with this. But they're funny <laughs> about it. And if you're yeah. funny about it, I think it's we all need to be less offended all the time. Like, just just laugh about it. If it's not funny, that's when people are like, oh, dude, that was offensive. I can't believe you went there. <laughs> like, it's yeah. And maybe that's an unfair standard, but I, I don't know. I didn't know there was that much backstory between them. I'm, I know there's a serious conversation about you know, race in the Oscars and all that stuff. I get that that's an important thing. Um, just like, you know, the quarterback battle at LSU is probably important in spring practice, but whatever. Like, it's not that to me, this is a, 
and I'm I'm only trolling people a little bit when I say this, but I like when have when have the Oscars been less relevant, and when have they gotten more coverage than Monday morning after that happened? Well, apparently there's saying, a huge spike, you know, within two minutes of viewership, I'm saying, right? I'm just saying. I, I just wouldn't put it past people to make them make money off something like that. Just I, uh, I, I don't think anybody had a better night than Will Smith, maybe in a long time. Cause Will <laughs> Smith, you know, he, he goes up, defends his wife, slaps a man with no ramifications whatsoever. And then goes back down and just, you know, curses at him and yells at him from the thing, you know, keep my fuck my name out of your fucking, my wife's name out of your fucking yeah, yeah, mouth yeah. twice, which is great. I love it. I, I I love that. Even though he was dying, even though he was dying laughing at the joke at first. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it took a little bit to register right, what was okay. happening. But um, there's a clip of, and I'm gonna butcher her name. Lup- Lupita Nyong was sitting behind, um, was sitting behind him. I think that was who was behind. You sound uh, like Wilson. you watch a lot more award shows than you're admitting. No, I I watch a lot of Twitter today. So okay, she was right. sitting behind him, and there's a. A freeze frame of her seeing Will Smith yeah, go into yeah. beast mode, and she's like, you know, shock. Yeah, yeah. She's got that shock face. And then he wins an award, wins an Oscar, and then he goes to an after party, and there's video of him singing, getting jiggy with it, and it. just celebrating. And it's it's awesome. Cle- clearly, what a great night. Clearly, he was so offended and distraught that he couldn't go dance and party and celebrate his award. I don't know. It feels awfully. Feels awfully convenient that the uh, Oscars had its most important moment in quite some time from a publicity standpoint. Just saying, uh, you know, just, <laughs> just, 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 uh, I'll, I'll be full cue on the show today. It's fine. I don't mind yeah. doing that. I can, I can play that role. I got no problems with that. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it's quite the, uh, there's quite the, a lot of backstory and yeah. detailing, you know, this whole thing. It's, it's lots great. of layers, lots of layers. And you know what? I would rather watch spring practice with th- third string offensive linemen running walkthroughs then <laughs> watch that crap uh zach what do you guys got coming up on the uh, the pod and the website obviously the quarterback draft stuff's coming up so everybody get ready for that yeah we're going to be talking about a lot about the draft coming up um you know what does a court what does a draft look like it basically is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna do two different articles hopefully this week one of them is gonna be what does it look like if the titans did trade up it a la kansas city to draft one of these quarterbacks and then they don't pick again till the fifth round. What does your draft look like at that? You know, what does your team look like after that? And then I'm going to dive in and talk about the merits of trading up for your guy. And, you know, there's going to be guys that you end up just being kind of middling franchise guys, kind of like a Ryan Tannehill, but they didn't trade up for him. They st- stuck and pick them, but there's going to be guys that you could have a good chance to get a franchise guy and, you got to take that. You got to take those shots when you can, if you believe it. Yep. Especially with a quarterback who could be off the books this time next season. So right. uh, there you have it. Football and other F words is the podcast. Of course, you and Lebowski always doing great work over there. Broadway sports media is the website. Make sure you check all of that out. Uh, make sure you're also going out on Saturday, this weekend, April 2nd, the race is a J- the J E done hammer down 5k, the eighth annual, all the money benefiting, of course, the, our kids foundation here in Nashville, a wonderful group of people taking care of sexually abused children. Um, Don Davenport will be the MC. So make sure you come on out. That's hammerdown.raceroster.com. That's hammerdown.raceroster.com is the website. J E done hammer down event benefiting our kids for Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, push all the buttons. We're asking you to push. We really, really appreciate it. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, March 29th.